Hello and welcome to Lawrence Fork in Kansas, the podcast about the people and the stories behind the local food you love. I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen, and today we're interviewing owner Elliot Pease of Kambucha. Today we're talking with the owner of Kambucha, Elliot Pease. Elliot, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So for anyone who's not familiar with Kambucha, um, you know, it's a Lawrence-based company that makes kombucha, uh, you know, the fermented tea beverage. Um, So yeah, you can find, you know, Elliot's stuff uh, all over Lawrence. Uh, I think you're at the farmer's market, you know, a lot of the area stores and, and not just Lawrence, right? Manhattan and Kansas City as well. Yes, Topeka, Kansas City, Manhattan. Awesome. So yeah, so we're really excited to have you on the show. We've been drinking your stuff for quite a while, so we're excited to kind of talk with you and learn more about what what goes on behind the fermented goodness. Yeah, well, I'm honored. You know, I've seen the other podcasts you guys have done, and and it's always great anybody that highlights what's going on in Lawrence or any of the local efforts, whatever they are, artistic or food or whatever, I think it's just great. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you from Lawrence? So I am a Laurentian and uh, went to junior high, high school. Um, I've lived in a few other places, um, but I did end up finishing up at KU for school for undergrad um, and uh, have lived out of the country too. But uh, I guess Lawrence is just home sweet home. How did you make your way? Like what was the kind of journey where you were out in the world and then coming back to Lawrence? Um, I lived in Colorado in Fort Collins mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and that was for school, for um, college. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, noticed it got kind of expensive to be out of state, so came back. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, my, my degree was in music education, so my oh, background's cool. mostly music. Um, and uh, finished up at KU and then spent uh, about nine months in Spain which was great because I wanted to learn Spanish and oh. I'm a guitar player. So I got exposed to flamenco there, which oh, was like great. the ultimate experience for a guitar player. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I guess, uh, you know, living there, you learn a lot when you live in, a, in another country. And uh, one thing that, that popped out to me in terms of, um, you know, Spanish culture is that they just have a lot of pride, like where they're from and their country and their people, their culture. And, uh, and I just it just rubbed off on me, and I was like, well, you know, if I if I wanted to to live that same sort of pride that they have, then I would have to you know go home and live in my own town, and and uh, it just made a lot of sense, especially when you meet somebody that hasn't um, grown up in Lawrence, um, because they'll tell you about how special it is, how different it is from other places, how it, like accepting it is, and friendly to to local um, efforts. Um, and, uh, so, so me, somebody growing up here, you kind of take that for granted. You've, it's a small enough town. You've seen everything over and over and over again, but, but finally becoming a, um, a foreigner myself that really became clear that it is a special place. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's, I mean, yeah, we we were outsiders and came into Lawrence and that kind of, yeah, like you said. Yeah, that sums it up perfectly. That's exactly how, you know, we feel about it. So, Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, so, so then you made your way, you, so you made your way back to Lawrence and then, so how, how soon after you got back did I mean, did you think of starting kombucha? Within a, a few years, um, yeah. uh, because when I started doing kombucha, it was about 2009 and that's when, um, you know, we had, a, 
um, the, all those economic problems, and it was really difficult to get um, a job even here in, in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I was done with school and was teaching guitar lessons on the side, and I was a substitute teacher and a paraeducator, um, uh, I just couldn't find a, a teaching position. And so I was like, well, in the, in the meantime, while I'm waiting, I'll start this other thing that I knew was kind of up and coming, or at least would have a good home in Lawrence. I mean, mm-hmm. kombucha being what it is, it just seemed like a natural fit for a place like Lawrence. Oh, yeah. And so I started doing that um, and uh, finally got a teaching position. So then at one point, you know, I was doing guitar lessons, um, teaching um, at a middle school, and then also doing the kombucha. So I had a pretty busy schedule. Wow. Week by week. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it started to pick up. And, uh, um, eventually just, it was too much. And, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm young enough in my life. Um, you know, cause I was 26 or so at the time, 27. And, uh, uh, I was like, if this is, if this is what I want to try doing, then now's a good time. It's right. sort of a now or never moment. And, uh, so taught for three years and then I've been doing kombucha ever since. And it's been, geez, I want to say, um, probably six or seven years just kombucha alone that's crazy because i mean 2009 doing kombucha i mean maybe maybe i wasn't in the scene of knowing about it but to me that sounds like you're kind of ahead of i mean obviously kombucha now you can go to walmart and get kombucha now so you know <laughs> at that point i consider it's probably mainstream but yeah. but uh but yeah i mean imagine 2009 that's probably not a it wasn't a big product then so what kind of made you what, what where did you learn about it or kind of get uh, onto this idea. Yeah, yeah, uh, so my sister actually introduced it to me and she hmm. did so by um sharing some that she had brought from Austin, Texas and it was locally made there. Just a lady that, you know, sort of did it out of her house, not anything that was like on the shelf there. Um and my sister and I are kind of DIY sort of people, love figuring out how to make stuff. Um and it just seemed like something that we wanted to try making you know just it's like like if you've ever done it it's like a little science project you know growing right. in your in your kitchen and uh so that was pretty appealing and and so her her contact the kombucha that she brought me um she also got a scoby so we mm. tried it out and and because uh, um, any, anybody that has you know acquired the taste of kombucha and uh has gone through the, uh, the the large grocery bill of having to buy it once you become sort of like a kombucha addict then you're spending a lot on it and, and you realize it's three fifty four dollars a bottle you know a pop and uh, and so so if you're if you're inclined at all you you want to figure out how to make it so that's a common thing to, to go through that and, and we sure did and and uh, and we have this joke it's really funny uh, um, once we like made a few batches, and had gotten it to the point where we think we had gotten it the way that we liked it and had our recipe down. Um, you know, we always say one a day, baby, because that was a point at which we like knew we could drink a kombucha a day and it would be like <laughs> pennies on the dollar or whatever. So it's, right. it's kind of an ongoing joke that she and I have still to this day. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So anytime I make a flavor and it like it's like really great and I, I'm happy with it, it's kind of a one a day moment so, yeah. oh that's cool is your sister still did i mean so she would she start the business with you as well or is she no not really no she kind of she she bailed out and i i, I uh <laughs> for all the right reasons you know and, and i uh 
kind of went gung ho with it. Right. But um, uh, but she still helps me from time to time, and and so there's there's a little bit of um, teamwork that has still endured, which is cool. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. But you know, I talk to people that that are here in Lawrence. You know, they'll they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're that guy that makes kombucha, that can butcher, or whatever, and they'll tell me about how they. Um, we're making it like in the 80s and 90s here, just people right. in their houses, but nobody had, you know, bottled it and tried to sell it like commercially. So I know it's been around here in Lawrence, like people, you know, tell me those stories of having the SCOBY and, yeah. you know, doing it on their countertop and then forgetting about their SCOBY and <laughs> all that stuff. So, yeah, we kind of figured Lawrence, probably, you know, like you said, it's definitely probably a prime scene for, for it, you know, and, and I, I guess it was probably around here longer than other places. But I guess to back it up a little bit, you know, just for any listeners that don't even, you know, haven't experienced kombucha, you want to talk a little bit about like what what is it? What goes into making kombucha? And kombucha, you've used yeah. the term SCOBY, too. We should probably define that, too. Scoby, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I always tell people it's it's a fermented tea that it uh, starts as you would normally think with tea brewing green or black or a mixture, um, and then uh, adding sugar to the mixture, putting it in a vessel with a culture, and letting it ferment for X number of days, and that the result of that fermentation is a is a um, you know, a tart, tangy, probiotic-rich, and uh, sometimes effervescent beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's flexible on all the different parameters, you know, like like what teas that you use can change the flavor and, and then what you put into it after the fermentation. Um, so it's it's got kind of a, a lot of variety as a food item, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people until recently, I'd say in the last like handful of years, aren't even familiar with fermented foods. So sometimes I go into that with people, too, and just right. we talk about that, you know, that, you know, that there's a whole microbiology to um, some of the foods that we consume or that like culturally, historically have been made and, and consumed uh, mostly for preservation of, of uh, food ingredients, of crops. And, uh, and commonly people find that pretty fascinating. I mean, I know that I did for sure. Yeah. 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 And there's some, you know, reported like health benefits to kombucha too, right? So with, like, yeah. The probiotics and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um, you know, largely, uh, the, the probiotics, the beneficial bacteria that are also mm-hmm. commonly found in your, in your gut microflora. So, um, I know that that research on what those microbes actually do is growing um, in not only in, in the knowledge base on, on, on what they do, but how important they are and what they do. Um, so I, I never claim to be an expert in that department, but I am definitely fascinated by it and have read uh, a lot of different books that describe their importance and what we've discovered. And I find that pretty fascinating, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it, it ranges from just general gut health, um, and, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, some people say like immunity, um, from pathogenic bacteria and things out in the atmosphere. But mostly I would say is, is from what I've read across the board is, is mostly just gut health, you know, like mm-hmm. supplying enzymes to your body. Because if you think about the typical diet and how, how, how much processed food it uh, has in, in a diet in, in the fact that your body has to supply those 
those digestive enzymes to make up for whatever is cooked out of your food from it being overly processed than a food item like, you know, homemade sauerkraut or yogurt, kefir, kombucha can also um, supply those. So that, mm -hmm. that, so people feel like a benefit big time just from that alone. Um, so, so, but at the farmer's market and, and hearing people's stories about how this kombucha is working for them, um, I've heard a lot of different stuff, you know, from mm -hmm. digestive stuff to, um, to, to, oh, it made my skin look better. So I know that everybody's different too, and, and we all have a unique microbiome too. Yeah, I guess another benefit too is just it's a nice alternative to, you know, like if you want, uh, you know, something, a drink that's not just water, sparkling water, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of a nice, re, you know, relatively healthy option, you know, that it gives you some flavor, but it's not, it's not it's soda. Not like soda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, packed totally. Yeah. And some people like it just for the flavor of the beverage itself. They could care less if it had oh, yeah, probiotics sure. yeah. in it, you know, so. Yeah. It's a good soda replacement or whatever. Um, yeah, this this one woman was quite honest with me one day at the market. And uh, the, the first day she saw me at the market and was skeptical and and wasn't sure if she wanted to spend the money on, on a bottle, you know, $4. Sometimes that's kind of a commitment for, for somebody, for an unknown food item, um, especially with such a unique taste. And uh, so anyways, I told her about it and kind of talked through it. And she eventually bought the bottle and she was back the next weekend and uh, was, was very upfront, honest with me. And she told me that she had the most amazing bowel movement of her <laughs> life. And she, she was specific on, on in her life. And so I kind of took that wow. as like the ultimate compliment. Yeah, you know? high I praise. Mean, like, in, such, in a weird way, like that's, that's pretty awesome. You know? a healthy, so, girl happy life. I yeah. mean, yeah. It's working for somebody. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, um, so yeah. So that's kind of how. It, so, so how how long does it take to ferment? Um, you know, when what's like? Yeah, what's that take? It, it's actually pretty interesting because um, uh, it uh, can change throughout the season. Hmm. Um, the the fermentation room that I have um, is insulated and it's temperature controlled. Um, and so it stays at like a, a constant about 75 degrees. Um, and so you would think that that would standardize something like a fermentation time. Um, but it doesn't. So, so like in the summer, I can ferment a batch in about, um, you know, about 10 days, sometimes 11. Um, and, but in the winter time, it can really expand up to, to, to a minimum of two weeks, sometimes three weeks. And, uh, the only thing I can think of to explain that is just that um, there's more microbial content in the air during the spring and summer, fall, um, and it's a wildly fermented food. It resides on, on wild bacteria and yeast in the air. You know, it's like I'm not pitching yeast like you would in beer or wine. It just happens naturally. Um, and so I think, uh, one, there's more resident microbes in the air that just happen to find this food source that we've created, but then also, uh, um, it's also trying to quickly dominate the food source, the food supply, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. I guess I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, that, that, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. So how big of a, a batch do you, you know, are you making uh, usually, I mean, does it range or? So I'm up to 160 gallons per batch, um, nice. which is wow. a good chunk. 
Um, uh, it's not the, the maximum capacity I could do, but it's a, it's a manageable chunk Mm -hmm. for me. Um, and, uh, so, but it's always kind of a numbers game. Like you could make less, but more frequently or a large batch and just have a lot of inventory for a longer period of time. So it's a little bit of a numbers game there. Um, so I usually kind of find the middle ground between those two and, and, uh, so, so yeah, that's been going pretty well in, I'd say the past year, that was my new record was 160 gallons. Um, I uh, think last summer when, you know, the market was happening and all of my retailers were really selling a lot, it was almost 150 gallons a week. And, uh, because it being the summertime, it would ferment quickly. Um, and so I could, I could, I could get out 150 gallons a week, which was a lot. Wow. Wow. That, that became a real grind like work-wise. So I bet. Yeah. It's just constant. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting, yeah, to deal with a product there that you can't, you know, you do have to wait. Like, it's not like, oh, we have more demand. Uh, okay. It'll be 10 days or whatever. Right. Right. You kind of can do everything you can, but in the end you can't, uh, you can't react too quickly. I guess you have to always be looking ahead, but right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then the fermentation, you know, sometimes you can stretch it, you know, you could, um, stop the fermentation early or let it go a little bit longer. Um, uh, which is a somewhat of rolling the dice because if you let it go too long, then you get sort of that the little more acidic flavor, vinegar flavor to it, and uh, so um, you can play with that a little bit to kind of help meet the schedule and the demand. But uh, it's um, it's not as good as when you've like got a great batch and you're ready to go. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a numbers game there too. Yeah, that's the tricky part about working with you know living organism, right? Yes. Is that, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't necessarily bend it to your schedule and have it turn out perfectly all the time. But Right, right. Yeah. That's so true. But how do you manage that? I mean, I, I, that's why I imagine with like a, you know, working with a living organism, how do you keep the product consistent every time? Is it that, like you said, that uh, my understanding of the SCOBY is kind of like the the mother or something of the, right, of the fermentation? Right. Yeah, so, so uh, I forgot to explain that. Yeah, SCOBY is an acronym and it it's S C O B Y and it stands for symbiotic culture culture of bacteria and yeast, um, and uh, so it, it it refers to the fact that in this um, ferment there are both uh, bacteria and yeast that work together um, to make a final product. So they're feeding off of one another, and and specifically it's that the yeasts are consuming the sugar and making alcohol and the bacteria are consuming the alcohol and making a variety of organic acids and that accounts for that acidic flavor that you get with kombucha Um, so they do their little dance and then we've got this proliferated probiotic tangy beverage Um, and uh, but yeah a lot of times it's um, when people think of kombucha like in the production of it you you think of the the scoby or also called a mother um, which to me looks like in an unappetizing thought here is, uh, sort of like a pancake, a slimy pancake at that, um, <laughs> that floats on, on the surface of the, the liquid. And it really, um, <clears throat> is a production of the bacteria. Um, it's a biofilm basically. Mm. Um, it's uh, cellulose and protein and water basically. Mm. Um, and, uh, 
the the bacteria if you've ever um, uh, thought of like xanthan gum or guar gum those are um, bacteria productions and uh, if you've ever had like guar gum or, or xanthan gum powder and you've made it wet it becomes slimy Mm -hmm. And so that comes from bacteria. So similarly, the 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 mother is is a is a bacteria product in order to kind of to help dominate the the surface area of the food source. Um, mm -hmm. It also kind of tricks the yeast into becoming um, uh, anaerobic and start producing other other items that the bacteria is interested in. So it's a little trick on their part, but. Um, but yeah, you know, if you look at like different kombucha companies' websites or any of their like advertising and stuff, they commonly don't show the mother. Um, <laughs> and obviously that's because in, unless you're somebody that's kind of a foodie and you're like interested in, in the intricacies of food and how stuff is made or maybe you're sciencey, uh, biology, whatever, um, and you saw that, it could be real unappetizing for you. <laughs> and so so one thing I remember reading when I was starting kombucha was like, um, let your friends drink kombu your kombucha, but don't show them how you make it right off the bat. <laughs> like, let them like really like it first, and then maybe they'll be a little more willing to check it out and understand. Yeah. So, but uh, but once you know that that's how it's made, like it, it just furthers how interesting of a food item it is oh yeah yeah that's fascinating you can, they do a lot of the work for you but that's really cool yeah yeah so do you so then you just take that mother from basically batch to batch you're able to kind of hey, let's go be move it move it from batch to batch or yeah yeah um so, so i do what's called batch brewing which means that i i'll make a batch and I, when it's ready to be decanted and, and flavored and bottled and stuff, um, I basically use up the entirety of the of the the vessel of the mm -hmm. liquid in the vessel. Um, so so I make a batch and use the batch. Whereas another way that people make kombucha is called continuous brewing, which means mm -hmm. that they only like they have a large batch um, and it's been fermenting, and they take some out and they immediately add back in. Um, more sweetened tea, um, so there's always a, a volume amount that remains in the vessel, um, and for just what some various reasons, I don't do it that way, um, and uh, uh, so so consistency really comes from how you brew it. Like, are you doing a continuous brew? Are you doing a batch brewing? Um, and then, of course, like your your ingredient recipe. You know, mm -hmm. like, are you using the same amount of tea every time, the same type of tea every time, same amount of sugar? Um, uh, and then uh, are you monitoring the pH level um, to be able to stop the fermentation at, at the right time, the desired time, you know, whatever you decide that is. So um, so there's some consistency there. And then I would say industry-wise with kombucha, another way to, to, to continue consistency is is that um, it's typically force carbonated. So as, as like a carbonated beverage, mm. you know, like if you were to make beer at home, you could make your beer and then you put it in bottles and then you can add like little sugar tablets and that uh, makes the yeast active again and you cap it and then the CO2, the carbonation builds in the bottles. Um, and that's all done at room temperature. Um, uh, it's a little bit unreliable to do it that way. And so most companies for consistency will just um, uh, force carbonate it in like a tank or a keg and, and force the carbonation that way. So 
So that adds some consistency to the final product too. So we've talked about sort of the the fermentation piece of kombucha, but obviously the other you know big part of what drives um, flavor is the tea. So where do you get your tea from, and then what um, kinds of tea do you usually use for your kombucha? Yeah, early on uh, I was uh, contacted by um, who's now a really great business partner and friend. Um, uh, his name's Tyler Beckett at. Um, uh, Hugo Tea in Kansas City, and so they're a Kansas City-based company that um, uh, you know uh, imports basically tea, all sorts, all sorts of types, and um, sells to me at a, at a bulk price in a bulk volume. Um, and their teas are real premium; um, they're all organic, and they come from family farms, so they're fairly traded. Um, mm-hmm. And we're talking about families that have had like you know, tea farms in, in their family for generations. Um, so, uh, so the tea's really high quality. It's some of the better tea that I've used and I think it makes really great kombucha. And, um, and so, so that's actually kind of another factor in, in when somebody is, is making kombuchas, what tea do I use? Cause it can really be variable. Um, and, uh, for whatever reason, you know, I, I just decided early on, I wanted it to, to mostly be green tea, um, and uh, but with some black tea for flavor too. Green tea is, is great and it actually has, uh, I think, a higher um, like nutrient uh, value to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most of your robust flavor in tea, I would say, is more from black tea that's been you know um, roasted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I decided on just a mixture, you know, like two thirds green, one third black, and mm-hmm. uh, and so that tea base is, has been what I've used for years now and always comes out really good. Um, uh, the, the funny thing about using a tea base is, is, like I said, it can be differentiated. You could do different flavors based on different tea bases. Um, I know some companies use uh, more like white teas um, because they brew and lighter in color. And so if they wanted their color of their flavors to be diverse and really pop, you would use a tea that doesn't um, have such a, an opaque uh, brownish color to it. Mm. You can really get the colors so that when it's on the shelf or people are looking at it, it really has a strong, strong color to it. So I think that that is cool. That's not the way I've chosen to do it because I think that the the flavor is better and more robust when you use a, a fuller tea amount in teas that more like uh, black and green. Um, that also supply a, a um, more of a nutrient base for the culture. So, so really, I think that the the kombucha I'm making is um, uh, good in flavor, but also is really focused on getting a great ferment from the the bacteria and yeasts. You know, mm-hmm. like if they're not happy, then is it really making that great of a product um, right. health wise? You know. Yeah. Um, and then how about the flavors? I think it sounds like you add flavors like after the fermentation step are usually using like, is it like some kind of extract that you add or like juice or something else? Yeah, I try and, and personally make any of the flavors that go into the kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so take like ginger, for example. Um, I buy all the ginger root uh, in bulk and then I juice it, um, cold press it and then uh, add it in to like say like a chai flavor or uh, uh, ginger, straight up ginger. I've done like a blueberry ginger, um, 
uh, ginger rose is definitely my most popular flavor. Yeah, um, so I use a, it a lot in there. But but ginger in general is just a great complementary flavor for kombucha for just the flavor of kombu- finished kombucha. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that one's great. And I've juiced up you know like watermelons um, and mint. Um, I did a, a flavor for bonbon that was like a Thai margarita. It had Thai basil in it that was freshly mm-hmm. pressed juice um, and orange and lime. And that one came out really, really great. So Yum. I've had a lot of luck um, in getting some fresh flavors from um, from juicing. Um, sometimes it's not economical to do it that way, yeah. um, mm-hmm. even just like time-wise. So so sometimes I'll, I'll use just like a, like a prepackaged juice um and that those come out really really great too so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm either way on it if if fresh if i can but sometimes time doesn't allow for it yeah what was your first flavor that you kind of i'd say i guess marketed first i i think that um like when we were first starting to make it i was really set on trying to reproduce um uh the gt synergy brand grape I think that that was the first flavor that really did it for me kombucha wise. Mm-hmm. And I'm really not like a grape person, you know, like, like yeah. I know some people out there just love grape stuff, but for some reason I thought that was just such a good flavor. And so I think that was the first one I tried to make followed up pretty quickly by, um, ginger, by yeah. ginger, ginger. So is that just, cause, cause you offer a grape currently, right? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that was that flavor. Nice. Yep. So grape. And then, uh, yeah, and I did like an you know like an apple or a, um, a few different ginger flavors. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I, what I've noticed with flavors in general, and I don't know if it's just living here in Kansas, is that um, kombucha is already this thing that you that's mystifying to people, um, <clears throat> and you have to kind of explain it. Um, and so to have any flavors. Um, on top of the the sort of mystery flavor of kombucha is sometimes too much for people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get too sort of frou-frou or chefy with mm-hmm. the, the flavors, it's just, it's a hard sell. Like yeah. I used to do some that had like lots of different herbs and spices and stuff in it, and they were really good, but it, it's hard to, to sell something like that as opposed to something like grape because people just know what grape is, you know, and the name says it all, you know, you come up with some sort of fancy blend of flavors and then you don't even name it something that pertains to the Mm -hmm. flavor, the actual flavors in it, you know, just some sort of like name that relates to something else. It's, it's, it's hard for people to figure out what it is. Yeah. So that makes sense. So I learned that kind of the hard way, but yeah. did figure it out <laughs> how how often are you i mean because i noticed you kind of have certain flavors that are you know pretty steady like you you know you've got like you said you've probably found the ones that are probably easiest to sell and all that and but then i, I noticed like you know you do kind of come up with these different ideas and, and, and put some different ones out there so what is your do you have a usual frequency there for how often you switch that up or is it just kind of like you said you get inspired by whatever you you can get your hands on and yeah yeah i think with food items you you want to be seasonal yeah. So you, like once at least one or two two per season you come up with something and you know if it, if you're juicing um mm. your own flavors then obviously there's like seasonal foods um fruits in my case um uh or I'll I'll see something somewhere that I think it would be a good kombucha flavor 
Like I used to have one called Jasminade, which was jasmine tea in lemonade, um, mm -hmm. which I don't make anymore, unfortunately. But um, I was somewhere and they had like jasmine lemonade on the on the menu, uh, not kombucha, but just jasmine yeah. lemonade, yeah. and uh, it was really refreshing. And so that was just an instance where it was a no-brainer to try that as like kombucha or, right. or um, you know, you try and you try and see something that's a cocktail and maybe you do like a kombucha version of it, a non-alcoholic sort of mocktail meets kombucha. Yeah. Um, and that's a good way to, to come up with flavors too, I've, I've found. Um, so uh, when I had more time, usually the collaboration aspect was appealing too. You know, somebody had a bunch of fruit that they, they were growing in their garden or something. So you'd collaborate and come up with something or people have elderberry around, you know, I've done that with, with some friends and, and, uh, that's always a fun way to do a flavor too. People yeah, will suggest cool. a flavor. Like, I love this stuff. Could you, could you try and make this? And so I always take recommendations too. Do you have a favorite flavor that you've come up with so far? Um, yeah, uh, there's one that I don't have in bottles, but is commonly on tap. It's grapefruit sage. And mm. uh, it's basically dried sage that's been soaked in grapefruit juice. Um, and that sage kind of is steeped in the grapefruit juice and, um, and then pair it with the kombucha. And it's, it's really yummy. It's, it has kind of a woody, smoky flavor to it, but also tart and citrusy. Um, so I've always liked that one. Um, but but anything with ginger is is good with me. I think it's it's just such a great flavor. Obviously, you know the kombucha is great by itself. But have you ever heard of or tried yourself like mixing it with other things or using it for other purposes in the kitchen? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, combination wise, uh, the Merck at one point used to do uh, like a watermelon slushy that had ginger rose in it, Ooh. and uh, so it was like frozen watermelon with mint that they blended up um, and then added ginger rose to which they had on tap and that was really awesome um, so there's that and then a few bars that have um, had it on tap made um, uh, cocktails with it um, any of the clear alcohols usually work pretty good with kombucha uh, rum vodka um, so those have been really cool uh, ways of, of using um, kombucha and I and I love that they came up with those because it was collaborative yeah. um, but then um, but then you know using kombucha in just other weird ways like I know people will let it sour down really well and you can use it as like a conditioner in your hair and uh, if you've ever used vinegar in your hair then it's no joke like it makes your hair really really soft Wow, you know? okay, yeah. good to know. <laughs> um, the, some people use the SCOBY and put it on their skin. Some people kind of like put it on their face and it's supposed to be a good um, uh, exfoliant, I think. I've never done it, but yeah. um, people make uh, gummies out of the SCOBY sometimes. Oh, um, or they can, you can candy it. Um, I haven't done those things either, but it's sky's the limit. There's a lot you can do with kombucha. Cool. I mean, one woman made a scoby jacket. Like she like made jacket? a a scoby in a certain shape and then sewed it into a jacket, kind of like a hide. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, because you can dry it out dry and it's it. pliable yeah. and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, people just have gone kombucha crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, that's cool. So, so you kind of mentioned, uh, oh, we mentioned a little bit earlier, but uh, where where can people people get kombucha? I mean, where's where's some of the the good places to go? Because I think you, you mentioned too, you know, you have certain flavors that you bottle, and then you have certain flavors that are on tap. So yeah, you know, where's the good place to get? You know, maybe if you want to try new stuff or bottles or oh yeah, um, the the Merck is is a big buyer, so mm-hmm. I always recommend the Merck because they have it in both bottles and on tap. Um, and uh, we're so supportive from day one, you know. Yeah. Like I used to be sampling there and, and you know, re uh, bottling and, and, and like old bottles that I was reusing before I found my own bottles and stuff. And they were totally into it. So I always like to mention how supportive the, the Merck has been. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I share a space with Alchemy Coffee. Um, right. So it's like a production space that houses both Kanbucha and Alchemy. And so Alchemy is always been a good team member from day one so definitely alchemy um high v uh cotton's hardware sells a ton of kombucha in bottles um they're so local friendly too i love love them and their support so um and then kansas city nature zone is kind of a small uh, uh natural grocer type uh, yep. shop they're awesome um they have it on tap um and then uh uh, Whole Foods too. I got into all three Whole oh, wow. Foods, and um, so they have a uh, four or five different flavors. Um, trying to think who else. Um, there's been so many restaurants, you know, like Bon Bon and Merchants. Right. Um, so it's out there. Yeah, yeah, and even I saw your uh, sun, you know uh, Sunflower Provisions too, right? I think mm-hmm. you had Sunflower, sunflower Provisions. Great place to get it too. Yeah. Yes. Um, love what they're doing too. Getting local products involved. You got any uh, any new flavors in the works right now, or any other anything like that? Someday I would like to um, get back to making flavors that don't really have um, flavor added to them post fermentation. Um, okay. Like I mentioned, the jasmineade. Uh, the reason I don't make that one anymore is because um, I've uh, just make it like a single tea base for all the flavors in jasmineade use jasmine tea mm-hmm. and so i would ferment the jasmine tea and then it was its own flavor but to to diversify the tea base became kind of a a, a production hiccup mm-hmm. it just was time consuming to do multiple tea bases um and it's really too bad because some of the best kombucha i've had has just been like jasmine tea fermented alone nothing added to it afterwards it's just got such a cool flavor to it it doesn't need anything um and so i feel uh that that can be done with other teas too um some of some of my favorite kombucha has just been the green and black tea base fermented alone um and it's really too bad that uh a lot of times um raw like like a flavor listed just as raw isn't more common in the kombucha world because um it's 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 what it is as like a right. like right. a simple food product with nothing else added into it and um and, and it's great it's it's really really tasty if it's done right and you brew the tea right um almost uh, more similar to like beer where you diversify if it's grain what kind of grain you mm-hmm. use or what the substrate is you know to begin with mm-hmm. so eventually i'd like to do more just different tea bases yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, yeah, there's so many teas out there, right? I mean, even that, we've tried a bunch of different teas, and it's just like, man, you can, 
I mean, you can go crazy with all those flavors. So yeah, you can, so many. Yeah. 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 So I yeah. could see how that could really change. Yeah. But that's cool. So I want to know if you guys have ever tried to make kombucha. We have, we have not, we have but not. I mean, it we, sounds like something we would do. Yeah, we just got into yogurt making, so that's why I feel yeah. like we're, we're almost there. It's a stepping stone. We just started cool. making our own yeah. yogurt, but yeah, we're. Uh, I thought about it once. I think I looked it up once, and then um, I, don't know, I just ended up being like, uh, probably I'll just we'll just stick with buying it for now, just because <laughs> I don't think I know we didn't get that far, but. But, I don't yeah. know. Maybe we will now. Yeah, now, now yeah. I actually, yeah. But just from hearing it, I'm like, man, we got to do this. We yeah, just try it sounds it like something we would, you know, spend a weekend trying to, you know, figure out and then perfect over time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as you guys probably know, it's like a little science project in your in your kitchen, and um, uh, it, it really is a simple process to make kombucha. It right. commonly, you know, from people that I talk to at like the market. The hardest part about it is that it's just kind of an ongoing care mm. of the culture, kind of like a sourdough. You know, if you right. leave yeah. it, it changes into something else or it dies, you know. Um, or people find that, uh, they, like, they just don't know certain things, like, um, that end up making it a good finished product, you know, like like anything you would make in, in your house as a food item, you know. So, so for example, like, I, people ask me, about tips for kombucha and one of them is if you don't brew your tea right then your kombucha is not going to taste right like if if you use green tea and you steep it longer than three minutes it's going to taste like spinach you know and then you're going to ferment that and it's going you're going to have like a spinachy tasting kombucha and you've put in that that time and effort into it and it wasn't pleasing and so some people don't don't do it again just right, because yeah, of that. Right, yeah, you do it once and you're like, ah, I give up, you know? Yeah. yeah. An- another one is uh, people will say, oh, well, I, you know, let my kombucha ferment for 25 days or whatever they read on the internet. And uh, and then it was like way too sour. It was going to like melt their teeth or something, you know? And <laughs> and uh, and so I always recommend that if you have a vessel that has like a, like a little faucet on it or if it doesn't, you can get a straw that you try it. Um, like every other day or so and you you taste the process as it's happening and when you find that spot where it's like just tangy maybe a little sweetness or however you like it Mm -hmm. then then you know Um, (laughs) and i would say other ferments are like that too you know sauerkraut you let that go too long then it's all soggy and mushy that's i think a a key for fermenting is just to sample it there's no harm in, in disturbing the process do you have any recommended uh, reading on, on where to go to learn about kombucha? Kombucha, or? yeah. There's uh, always a wild fermentation. That's a, a place that people commonly start and learn. Um, kombucha Camp is another great one. A lot of resources there. Um, uh, there was a guy, his name was uh, Ed Casper, and he's uh, the happy herbalist. Mm. And he's uh, more of a, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner um but uh his website is loaded with information on all sorts of different ferments so mm-hmm. i always recommend him as well and you can buy cultures through him as well mm. which is cool um so uh that and then uh you know like i, I think just you know youtube and the internet's yeah. generally good there's a couple things that i might disagree with just <laughs> you know over time just doing it for so long but the important thing is you try it out you know, yeah and you, and you learn yeah. through that but 
so yeah, I guess the only really question we had left, you know, obviously COVID's thrown a wrench into everyone's uh, future life plans. Life and, and business and everything. Yeah, life everything. and business. So we're just kind of curious. Yeah, what have you been, uh, you know, with how it's affected you and just kind of what you've been doing? I bet we've been really inspired by, you know, just a lot of the businesses in town, kind of what we've done to, you know, to adapt and, you know, to figure yeah, out how to, how to work in this new new yeah. environment so and anything i mean luckily a lot of your products were sold at you know grocery stores and, and things like that but yeah. i would uh, imagine not having the the farmer's market be its usual self is kind of a big deal yeah right yeah yeah and and there are restrictions at at the market you know like we can't do sampling anymore mm. and for me that was a, a major part of um people checking it out I yeah. always gave free samples because a lot of people have heard about kombucha or so-and-so drinks it or mm -hmm. I read this and that. and uh, But it's intimidating to, to drop the $4 on a bottle on something that you may not really like. And so that aspect is, is gone. But fortunately, I feel like uh, you know either I've done the legwork with people here in town or, or that it, kombucha is just national enough that people mm -hmm. know what it is that... Um, that's not so much an issue, or at least it hasn't been. You know, I would say this this season alone, um, I haven't had as many people inquire about what it is. Like I used to get a lot of inquiries, like "What is this?" Mm -hmm. Like I said, I heard about this, but I've never tried it. So I, I feel fortunate about that, yeah. and I'm also fortunate because uh, you know I'm a, I'm more of a wholesaler, you know, like a manufacturer, a producer. Um, you know, I don't have any retail space. I could, I could see, I can see through people that I know how difficult that is in these, these mm -hmm. times. Um, and uh, so, uh, fortunately, things have, have worked out in that regard. There's, there's some aspects where it's been difficult for me, like the whole on tap thing is mm -hmm. uh, kind of an X factor for grocery stores to have. And so they have to be uber um, careful, and that totally makes sense. But that was actually a bulk of my sales too were, were through those refills um, in the whole on tap thing. And um, uh, production wise, uh, it was better when that was happening, the uh, refilling on tap, because uh, um, the packaging and the labor that goes into yeah. making the smaller 16 ounce size bottles um, is, uh, is a lot, um, yeah. you know, to, to, sh to, purchase glass and get it shipped the shipping is almost as much as the glass costs by itself wow. um, and then you think about adding the label and the cap shrink band um, it really starts to add up and eat into your your margins and mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the reasons that kombucha on tap was ever even a thing it's because it made it so affordable for smaller kombucha companies to do it that mm -hmm. way right. um, so that's hurt definitely a little bit mm -hmm. um, but uh, I mean, really, my experience has just been with people kind of like me that, that are adaptable and that know how to hustle and uh, can rely on prior experience on um, how to, uh, to uh, stay, stay, stay afloat, you know, stay in the game and, and uh, try and make the best out of it day by day. But it's, it's definitely been a different situation for sure. I meant to ask too is uh you know how big is your operation there I mean it sounds like you know you've grown over time and all that is it you know you and how many people are doing it is it so uh actually just me so I'm, I'm the the only employee really? um wow. but uh but I do have help from time to time like sometimes my sister will help 
or I'll uh, hire somebody to, to, to do bottling with me just because like it, it, though it's a labor of love, it also is a, is a grind too mm-hmm. sometimes. And, uh, but other than that, you know, I'm the, the sole employee. And, oh. uh, um, so, so it also I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard too, that I, I don't feel like I, like I'm responsible for, you know, somebody's income or, or, or you know, I've been able mm-hmm. to, to maneuver a little bit better through this situation because I don't have X number of employees to worry right. about. So, hmm. um, uh, but yeah, it started as me doing it sort of in like a sink area in, in, in my parents' house. And then when I got uh, purchased a house, it had a basement in it. And uh, so I made a small kitchen that was a licensed kitchen in the basement and uh, had had other food businesses use that kitchen too. Um, and then uh, um, when I met Ben from Alchemy, we decided to, to find a place and so... Um, it's the largest space that I've used to to manufacture in, and and that's been like like I said, five or six years now. Yeah, so, yeah, right there in North Lawrence, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, you know, just more for fun, I guess, want to ask people what has been your sort of go-to um, local takeout order during this whole COVID thing. Yeah, I've really tried to support everybody that I know. Um, mm-hmm. So it, I mean, everything from like merchants to Papakinos to India Palace to Alchemy, nineteen hundred Barker, um, you know all those places are are my are my spots. You know that I've been trying to to make sure I I, I put in weekly orders too. Um, so so yeah um, yeah those those are kind of the go tos. De- definitely saddened by the the places that aren't still open too. You know, oh, like gosh, Levy know. and. Yeah, I the think bonbon, bonbon. Yeah, yeah bonbon's gone. So yeah, no, that is definitely the. Uh, yeah, we're just hoping. Yeah, trying to keep keep the support out there and keep the the, the spotlight on it. Because yeah, ho- hopefully out of all this, we can come back and have uh, at least have all the same places we we love. So definitely, definitely. Yeah, thanks, Elliot, for talking about this. It was really great. It was really uh, awesome to kind of learn about uh, all that goes on behind kombucha and now. Now we're going to be making kombucha. I can already tell, so so we're we're excited. But we'll definitely still be still be supplementing with with what you, you're making over there. So um, so yeah, just really thanks again for for talking with us. Well, again, thanks thanks for asking. It's an honor, yeah. you know. And and I think what you guys are doing is is just really great, you know, because there's a lot of talented people in Lawrence yeah. that you yeah, might not otherwise sure know about. Yeah, yeah that's it's really we, impressive. That's you know the whole the whole point. So we love learning about so. But yeah, no, it's it's really great, and so yeah, I uh, just want to reinforce that yeah, people definitely check you out. Um, um, obviously, you have a uh, you know social media too. I know mm-hmm. you kind of post where you're at and all that. Um, so yeah, you have Instagram and you're on Facebook. Um, yes. You know, right yeah. at kombucha, I think pretty, like you said, K A N, bucha. So yeah, um, yeah, which, which you were mentioning earlier, the the whole name thing, and, and yeah. sometimes it, like um, I'll get people that will say something like. Uh, um, oh yeah, you know my my uh, sister makes can bucha, you know. <laughs> so I, sometimes I think about oh man, maybe I should have named it something else. But there's so many <laughs> things in Kansas that are can something. You yeah, know what I mean yeah. can care well, for fun. example. Yeah, then you know where it's from. You know <laughs> what it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's not bad for people to keep saying they like can bucha all over the place. I right. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's just yeah, spreading yeah, your brand. Name. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yes, you're right. Um, so yeah, so yeah, you're all over the place. Like I said, I think on your website you even show you have a list of all the uh, all the different places where you're at. Um, and yeah, Lawrence Farmers Market's a great spot. Yes. Sunflower Provisions, like we said, we, we've interviewed Alchemy too, and mm-hmm. they're always that was I think I think the first place I tried you was on on tap at Alchemy. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Always, yeah. Always like that. So. So yeah, uh, be sure to check you out there, and um, yeah, th- thanks so much again. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Lawrence Fork in Kansas. We had a great time chatting with Elliot Pease from Kambucha. If you're able to support the local food scene during this time, we really encourage you to do so. You can order delicious food, beer, coffee, cocktails, kombucha, and more from local businesses You know, via takeout or delivery services. I mean, we have a lot of great options for our local produce from your farmers. You know, we have the CSAs, uh, you know, we have sunflower provisions. And um, as always, there's the Lawrence Hospitality Crisis Fund. Um, you can donate to them as well uh, on their GoFundMe. So just so many options um, and, and all of them are, are really needing your help to keep us and keep us alive during this time. Um, something else that you can do to help us, um, you know, keep spreading the word is to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a rating. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, Instagram at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, and Twitter at Lawrence Forking. Uh, you know, feel free to find our pages, like us, follow us, uh, comment, or leave a suggestion, or uh, just say hi. And if you're a restaurant or a food business owner in town and you're interested in coming on the show, please just reach out on social media or you can email us at lawrenceforkingkansas at gmail.com and let us know. We are always looking for new people to talk to, especially in these strange times, trying to highlight you know, some of the different things that people are doing um, to adapt to our new climate. And we would love to have you on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Next time.